Well, this morning, this morning, we're going to continue on, as Pastor Tim mentioned, with our gospel-shaped outreach, and uh, I'm going to share with you this morning how to speak the message of the gospel. All of you know how to do that, right? That's what I was wondering. Okay. If not, hopefully by the end of this morning, you'll know how to speak the gospel message. Let me start by asking some questions, or at least some thoughts. Jesus, would you agree with this statement, that Jesus never said anything that wasn't important? Right? Sounds like a trick question, doesn't it? Well, it is. But do you agree with that? Jesus never said anything that wasn't important. He never said anything that he didn't mean to say, correct? Go like this, because it's only going to get worse. So yeah, that's, that's so true. So I want you to think about this. If he meant everything he said, then I either have to do what he said, or I disobey him, right? Well, you guys will get it. Think about this. It boils down, let me give you a very simple uh, example in Scripture that this boils down to. When Jesus, said to uh, when Jesus said to those men in the New Testament, follow me and I will make you fishers of men, he meant exactly what he said, correct? He said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men, which means if you follow me, he's saying, I will turn your life into something far more productive than catching and selling fish. That's what he was talking about. And they believed what he said. And they obeyed what he said. Well, they had questions, but they obeyed what he had said. But they obeyed and they became, or became the apostles. And we know the story from there, right? And, and the apostles, they changed the world with, with the word and, and with their ministry. And because of that, our lives have been enriched by their ministry. And we have the Word of God because of their ministry. I want you to think about this. You know God is still speaking to men and women today? Would you agree with that? And if He's still speaking to men and women today, and if what He has to say is, is uh, important, and He never said anything that He didn't mean, then we should certainly listen and obey. Correct? That's a good place to start, because you're probably going to know where I'm going from there. I want you to think about what is it. Turn with me to John chapter 20. Turn with me to John chapter 20, because if God is still speaking to men and women today, he's doing it through his word. And in John chapter 20, in this chapter, Jesus has been, I'm just going to give you a little background, because by the way, we're going to go through a lot of scripture this morning. So get your turn and finger ready. Jesus has been raised from the dead here in John chapter 20. He's been seen by several people, and now most of the disciples are gathered in the upper room. They're locked in uh, the room for fear of their fellow Jews. And look at me in verse 19. We're going to pick up the story there. It says, On the evening of that day, after he's raised from the dead, on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were in fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, and said to them Receive the Holy Spirit. Now listen to what Jesus said here in verse 21. I want to read that again. As the Father has sent me, 
Even so, I am sending you. You know what he's saying here? Just like, just like God the Father sent me to you, I am sending you to others. So what we need to ask ourselves is, how did the Father send him? What is he talking about there? Just as the Father sent me. If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior here this morning, as your personal Savior, then you've been sent, so to speak. You've been called, so to speak. You've been, you've been called to salvation. And, and we've all been called to share the gospel. Amen? You've got to get more on that because that's true. We've all been called to share the gospel. That's why this part of our gospel-shaped outreach is called, is called how to speak the message or how to speak the gospel. We've all been called to do so. That's one of the reasons you and I are saved, to glorify God and how to do that, by sharing the gospel, the good news of Christ. For centuries, people have, have been talking about Jesus, have been talking about his ministry, and they've been, they've been sharing their testimonies, and they've been sharing the gospel, and somewhere along the way, you heard it. Aren't you glad? So if that's the case, I'm going to look at several points this morning on how God the Father sent his Son into this world and how we are to speak this gospel or this message to others. And the first point I want to share with you this morning is when Jesus came, he had a very clear understanding of why he came. He had a very clear understanding of his mission, if you will. In Mark chapter 16, verse 15, you don't have to turn there, uh, Jesus says to his disciples, again, after his resurrection, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole, to, to the whole creation. Or in the King James would be to, to every creature. The Bible also says he came, Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. It also says he came to give his life as a ransom for many. It also says he came that you and I might have life and have it more abundantly. You see, he came with a very clear understanding of what his mission was. If that is, if that is true, so all of us should have a clear understanding of what our mission is. Amen? That mission should ultimately be this, to show forth the life of Christ and to share this life with others so that he may receive the glory to show forth the life of Christ and that, so that, he may re, that we may share this life with others so that he can receive the glory. Whether you're, whether you're in your office, whether you're in the shop, whether you're at school, whether you're out playing, whatever it is you're doing, that is our mission. We have, to have, we have two very clear missions every single day. To show forth the life of Christ that's living inside you through the Holy Spirit and to share that life with others around you in the power of the Holy Spirit. This should be, very, or should be made very clear to each and every one of us when we came to know Christ as our Savior, when we were saved. Our mission in life isn't to be a successful business person. That's not our mission. Our mission in life isn't to, uh, to be the most popular or to be the most famous person in our community or in our area or in the world or wherever it is you may be. That's not our mission. Our mission in life isn't to, to gather worldly possessions, although that takes much of our time, but that's not our mission. In fact, our mission in life isn't even just to, to merely, uh, 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 
mosey along in life and to eke out an existence. That's not even our mission. Our mission in life is to show forth the life of Christ and to share that life with those around us. Wherever God has put you or whatever God has you doing at that time. That's our mission. Now, success may be part of what is God doing or what God is doing in your life. That can, that can be used to carry out the mission. But success or fame or, or money or whatever is not the mission of a believer. In Romans chapter 10, look what it says. You don't have to look there, I'll read it to you what it says. Paul writes, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? Very familiar passage of scripture. And how are they to believe in him whom, in whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear unless someone preaching, without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? And then he says this, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Jesus came with a very clear understanding of what his mission was. And we ought to as well have a clear understanding of what our mission is while we walk this earth. Well, there's a second point I want to share with you, and that is Jesus also had a clear understanding of what the message was. Ultimately, the message of Jesus Christ is the message of freedom. If you'll take your Bibles and turn with me back to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. Here in Luke chapter 4, we have Jesus who has just come out of the wilderness and, and out of the temptations of Satan, and he came to the synagogue, uh, and the Bible says that he stood up, and he, and he started reading the book of Isaiah. And, and if, you'll start looking, if you look with me in verse uh, uh, 17, it says, And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. I want you to look at verse 18 again. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty or freedom to the captives and recover of sight to the blind, to set at liberty or freedom those who are oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. What type of freedom or liberty is he talking about here in verse 18? He's talking about freedom from those things that would that would bind them, that would hold them, if you will, that would separate them from God. He's talking about having freedom from that, from the things that would keep them from God. Spiritual freedom, emotional freedom, freedom from sin's clutches in their life. Jesus came with a very clear message. And he says in John chapter 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. And you know what else he says? And when you know the truth, the truth will what? Set you free. Listen, folks, this is the message you and I have to offer the world. It is the message of freedom. It is freedom from the penalty of sin. It is freedom from the power of sin. It is freedom from the bondage of sin. It is the freedom from, from the presence of sin one day when we're in heaven. Won't that be great? It is a message of freedom. So all of us have a message, and we should be very clear about that message. 
here's what happens. I want us to just to, to stop and think just for a minute. I don't want you to get upset with me. Might be too late, but I don't want you to get upset with me. What if I were to say to you, or pick someone, I won't, because I like people to come back to church. But what if I were to say to you, would you please come up here, right here on the platform stand, right here with me, and would you please give us the gospel message of Jesus Christ as best you know how to present it? I wonder how many of us could give a clear, understandable presentation of the gospel. Listen, if you cannot, if you cannot explain the gospel of Jesus Christ, if you cannot explain clearly how to be saved, then the message of your mission will be ineffective and of no use for the kingdom. The truth is, the truth is, when, when you were saved, when you were saved, someone ought to have, have set you down and explained to you what happened to you and what it all means. If they haven't, it's never too late to, to ask someone. But you need to know that. You need to know so that you can tell others clearly the gospel message. They need to know. You know what they need to know? They need to know what sin is. Okay? They need to know what sin is, and they need to know that, there is, that they are a sinner. We are all sinners. They need to understand that. They need to know that there is a Savior from that sin. They need, to know, they need to know what the price was for the payment of their sin or for the forgiveness of their sin. They need to know who paid that price, how he paid that price. They need to know why he paid that price. They need to know what to do to receive that payment or receive that forgiveness in their stead. They need to know what to do after they receive that forgiveness as well. You get the idea? Does it make sense? These are things we need to know, and it's all in this book right here. But these are things we need to know, and we need to share this message of freedom with others. Think about this. The church of Jesus Christ is God's body on this earth to do what? To share the message of Jesus Christ to an unbelieving world. And, and to, think that, to, to think that someone claims to be saved and not understand what happened to them or understand the message is totally unscriptural. You're not just a friend of Jesus. He is your Savior. I'm not saying that you have to be a Bible scholar. I'm not saying you even have to be an avid Bible student, if you will. But you need, to have a, you need to have a clear grasp of the gospel that saved you. Don't you think? Your faith and all your eternity is placed in that, in, in that salvation that Christ uh, su supplied. And, and if you don't know it, what do you have your faith in? So you need to know it for yourself. And then once you know it, you need to share it with others. one of the reasons so you know and so that you can share he has called us 
to that message. So you sitting here this morning and could not, are you one that could not really give a clear presentation of the gospel in your own words? Pastor Tim, last, last Sunday night, he shared a number of ways to give out the gospel and a number of outlines and a number of studies, if you will, to use in presenting the gospel with confidence. I'm not against handing out tracts, but you need to know what the tract says. You need to understand it. These outlines that Pastor Tim talked about are excellent. I remember he mentioned a number of them. There's probably some older folks in here who have gone through a number of different type of classes on how to share the gospel with confidence, right? How many here have gone through the share Jesus without fear? If you're working bacon of hope, you better raise your hand. How many here have ever gone through the old, an older one, evangelism explosion? You're really getting old if you go through that, but yeah. Good ways to, to learn how to share the gospel with confidence. Here's what happens sometimes. Some people think, well, you know, it sounds like a sales pitch to me. Well, just get that out of your head. You need to know what happened. You need to know how to share it with others. And if it's a program that can help you do that, or a curriculum that can help you do that, then do it. If you can do it on your own, praise God. But you need to have a clear understanding of what took place in your life when you trusted Christ as your Savior, so that you can share it with others. And not give a distorted gospel. It's so important that we have a clear understanding of what the message is. And I would think about this. Jesus never said, I think this is what my father said. Did he? I'd beg you to gain a clear understanding of the message of the gospel so that we can share it with an unbelieving world. That is part of our mission, part of what we're to do. There's a third point I want to share. When Jesus came, he also came committed. He was committed to the cause. In this case, he was committed to, to dying. And turn with me to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. Here Jesus began to tell his disciples about the fact that he was going to have to die. And Peter says, no way, that's not happening. And Jesus responds with, get behind me, Satan, I am committed to die. And there's nothing, there's nothing that's going to get in the way of me doing that. Look at me in verse 21 in Matthew chapter 16. It says, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And Peter, he took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan, you are a hindrance to me. You are not setting your mind on things of God, but on the things of man. You see, there, there aren't many folks today committed to the mission or fully committed to the message that God has called them to. Paul also gives us a good example of his commitment to the gospel message in, in, uh, to the church in Thessalonica. Turn with me to 1 Thessalonians. First Thessalonians chapter two. 
In First Thessalonians chapter two, I'm not going to keep saying it all the time because I end up saying fifth so. But look at me in verse one. Paul writes this: For you yourselves know, brothers, that our coming to you was not in vain, but though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel in God, the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. This is Paul's commitment. This is a good example of Paul's commitment. Look at this in verse 1 and 2. We see Paul's faithfulness to the message and his commitment to the message. He had suffered, it says here, and he had been shamed, it says here, yet he continued with boldness to declare the gospel message. Let me ask you a question. What, what keeps us mostly in our culture and in our country today from sharing the gospel? Are, are, are we afraid that, that we're going to suffer some sort of physical Harm? Most of the time not. Are we afraid we're going to be shamed? Many times yes. We're not going to fit in. We're going to look different. We're going to sound different. We're going to be different. People are going to look at us and walk the other side of the hallway. Paul said he suffered, he was shamed, and he remained faithful to the message. Let's continue to read, read on here in verse 3. In verse 3, it says, For our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive, but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak, not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. For we never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor with a pretext for greed, God is witness, nor did we seek glory from people, whether from you or from others, though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ. Paul here, he went from faithfulness in his, in, in his commitment to declaring the message. We see he honestly declared the message. He did it without any excuse. He tells, he tells them that what he's telling them is true and pure and without any deception. He was up front with them. He wasn't trying to sneak the gospel message in the back door. He tells them it is God who they're obeying and not trying to please man. He explains to them he's not using fancy or flattering words so that people would look at him as an important person, though he could have asked certain things of them because he was an apostle. He didn't do, he didn't do any of those things because the gospel message was much more important than any of those things. And he remained committed to the message. Look with me in verse, in verse 7. Verse 7, we read, but we are gentle, or we were gentle among you like a nursing mother taking care of her children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. For you remember, brothers, our labor and toil. We worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you while we proclaim to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and God also, how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct toward you believers. For you know how like a father was, or like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Paul not only faithfully was committed to the message and honestly gave the message, but he lovingly shared the message of the gospel here. He gently worked with them like, like, a, like a mother taking care of her children, he says. 
and not only, not only share the gospel, but his life as well. He didn't just talk to them and leave. He shared his life as well. He didn't, he didn't want to be a burden to them in any way, any way that might hinder their faith. He was an encourager to them to remain faithful in their walk with God. Folks, this is a great example that Paul gives us to his commitment to the message. This is how we are to speak the gospel message. Faithfully, lovingly, honestly. Now I want us to think about something. If we're going to witness to our co-workers, and if we're going to witness to our friends, and if we're going to witness to our, our neighbors out there, or, or what, whoever it is that we have opportunity to witness to, there has to be a commitment to this message. Because if there's not, if there's not a commitment, here's what happens. We start to, we start to waver, and we start to, to wander when, when the current trends blow in. You know, the things that are cool now, the things that are trendy now, the things that are current now, the things that are the right things to say, not just politically, but even in Christianity, or in Christendom, if you will. That's what happens. Something starts to happen with our courage, doesn't it? We start to, we start to lose our boldness, even what little boldness we may have had. Something happens to the gospel message. It starts to become weak when there's no commitment. We start to say things, well, that's close enough. And sometimes we give off unclear signals of what the gospel really is. And then the people don't really hear the truth. So to be committed, I must be willing to pay. I must be willing to pay the price. And the price of the gospel is often high. Oftentimes it's suffering. The truth is we just don't much care for suffering. Isn't that true? Well, we love Jesus. And we want to be blessed. You know, we want God to answer our prayers. And we want things to go our way. But suffering, not so much. Jesus was committed all the way to the cross and how he suffered. You know, when he hung on that cross, you knew he was committed to the very end, even if it meant separation from the Father. So, so we should ask ourselves, we should ask ourselves, how committed are we to the gospel message? Some of you may be sitting there saying, man, I'm committed. I'm going for it. I'm committed. I hope you're saying that. And if you are, let me ask, are you committed enough that tomorrow, where you work, or, or, or when you're shopping, or, or when you're having coffee with your neighbor, that you walk up to them and you say something like, you know, can, can I share with you something that has happened in my life that is life-changing? Are you that committed? Or maybe, or maybe you could say something, can I share with you who Jesus is and what he has done for me? Or whatever. Are you that committed? Are you committed enough to do that? Jesus was. Listen, when you, become, when you become a Christian, you put on the cloak of suffering. It's part of who we are. And hopefully, the sooner you understand that, the more committed you'll be. The final point I want to share with you is Jesus also had a deep compassion for people. And I want you to listen carefully. He, he, didn't, he, he cannot carry, you, you cannot carry 
the message of the gospel to anyone effectively if you don't love them or if you don't care for them. And I mean have that love for people, have a love for, for God's creation. That's why some of Jesus' words come on real strong at times in the Scriptures. He cared enough not to let the people continue day after day and week after week in their sin and just sit there and think about what's going to take place. Forget all about eternity. He cared enough not to let them do that. Listen, everyone thinks about eternity at some time or another. I know you all have. And so have I. He didn't want them to become comfortable in their sin. He wanted them to understand that he was the, the long-awaited Messiah who would take away their sins. Real quickly, we're gonna, we're, if you turn with me to John chapter 6. John chapter 6. We're going to move around this chapter because it's a, it's a long chapter and it's a long story and we don't have time to, to do the entire chapter. So we're going to move around, but I think you'll get the idea and what we're talking about here as far as Jesus' compassion and how strong his compassion was for people. Here we have the story of the feeding of the 5,000. And we're going to start by reading verse 1 and 2. And so, if you're there at John chapter 6, verse 1 and 2, it says, After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, and a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing it on the sick. So he, he, he had this large crowd there, and he sets them all down, and he, they, they hand out baskets of of fish and bread, and they all eat, okay? Go on down to verse 13. And so they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets. This is after they were done. They filled 12 baskets with fragments uh, from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. And when the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, this is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. Okay? They're done eating. They've seen the, the, the full baskets afterwards, and now they're saying, this is indeed him. This is the guy we've been waiting for. Then go on down to verse 26. And Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Now I want you to think about this for a second. Here you'll find people coming and going. Now they're going about their daily life. We've skipped a number of passages. They're going about the way they live. And as long as he was feeding them, he had the crowds. As long as he was doing the signs, he had the crowd. But then he starts... He starts giving them the message. And look with me in verse 35. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. All that the Father gives me uh, will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And he continues on with his message. Okay, we don't have time to read it all, but he continues on with the message of the gospel. But they didn't understand it. If you go on down to verse 52, it says, The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? They, they weren't grasping what, he's, what he was saying. And then look with me in verse 59. And Jesus said, to these, or said these things in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. And when many of his disciples heard it, they said, This is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, Do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. 
But there are some of you who do not believe, for Jesus knew from the beginning those who, uh, those who, Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And he said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. After this, many of his disciples, listen, look at it, it says, turned back and walked no longer with him. And Jesus said to the twelve, do you want to go away as well? And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Think about this. I want you, I want you to look at verse 60 with me just for a few moments. At verse 60, it says here, and when the, and many of his disciples heard it, they said, what did they say? This is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? That's like many folks today. The gospel is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? It's, it's, it's hard to understand. You mean to tell me if I trust Jesus Christ as my Savior, and, you, and I believe all this, that he died on the cross for my sins, this is hard for me because my life will change. My life should change. You know what my friends are going to say? You know what my family is going to say? You know what my co-workers are going to say? This is a hard saying for them to believe. They were talking about eating his flesh. They didn't understand all that. Jesus was trying to explain it to them. And then he says, he goes on down, and, and it, it's really sad. Do you ever notice how, you see how bad the crowd got here in this passage of Scripture? Jesus even asked the disciples if they were going to, to leave him in verse 60. Verse 66 says, after he said, after this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. And Jesus even asked the twelve, do you want to go away as well? Can you imagine walking off on Jesus? Can you imagine turning your back on Christ? Many do. Because the gospel is just too hard for them to want to believe. And you know what? After all this, he still had compassion on them. He still had compassion on these people. Do you really love folks? Do you have compassion on them even when they think you're not all right upstairs because you're sharing the gospel with them? Do you have compassion on them when they reject the word of God that you've shared with them and you're the messenger and so you take the blunt of it? Do you still have compassion on them? In Luke chapter 19, the Bible says when Jesus looked over Jerusalem, he wept. When he cried, he cried over concern and compassion for his people. And Jesus' friend Lazarus died. He knew he was going to raise him from the dead. And why did he weep? Because he understood the hurt that was going on in those around him. Folks, Jesus said, As the Father has sent me with a loving, compassionate heart for those who are lost and for those who are hurting, so send I you, he says. So let me ask you, do you have a clear understanding of what God wants from you? Do you? How do we speak the gospel message? We speak it with understanding of what the mission and what the message is. We need to have a clear understanding of what they are. We speak it with commitment, a commitment to the gospel message. It may require suffering. It may require heartache. But we stay committed.
and we speak it with compassion. Compassion for the people who are lost and need to hear the gospel message. I hope this will be the heart of all of us in here today. Don't you? Let's bow our heads. We'll have a word of prayer. Father, thank you. Thank you for this time that we have together. Thank you for your word. Most of all, Father, thank you for the gospel. Father, I pray that each and every one of us here this week will maybe purpose in our heart to, 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 to share this gospel with someone around us. And if we're here this morning, Father, and maybe we don't have a clear understanding of what the gospel is, maybe we can't, maybe we can't share it in a way in which is uh, comprehensible or maybe that's understandable. Help us, Father, to maybe seek some help in that area so that we know what took place and that we can share that message with others. Father, work on our hearts this morning through your Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Amen.